we're in a series called Knowing God. And we've taken this whole month of, of January, the whole month of fan, January and February, Fanuary. And uh, as we get into Fanuary, we are going to continue in, in knowing God. And we've talked about that God doesn't want us just to know about him, but he actually wants us to know him in a relational way. And it's, it's one thing to know about God. It's a whole other thing to know him. And he wants us to know that. He wants us to know him. He desires that. We were created for that. Jesus came and died for that so that we could have relationship with God and not just have some far-off idea about God or wishful thinking or a crutch or whatever you want to insert there, but to have a real relationship with him. So we talked about God's all-powerful, all-knowing, he's ever-present. Last week we talked about the, the fact that he doesn't change because he's perfect. Today we're going to talk about his sovereignty, that God is in control. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. Speaking of Jesus, says, He got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Picture that in your mind. So the storm came without warning. Jesus was sacked out in the hole of the boat. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, you think, and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I love that it says, without warning, the storm came. They didn't see it coming. Jesus was taking a nap and this storm, I've been on the Sea of Galilee before. And it's, it's really not a sea. That's not a, it's more like Stanley Lake or something. It's really not very big, but it's, it's, it's a large lake, but they call it the sea. But the way the weather patterns and the way it's situated, that's why the storms can get so crazy. And if you're on a boat, you can be in, in trouble on the Sea of Galilee. It said without warning, and I thought, isn't that a lot like life? Can't life without warning bring storms into your life, into your circumstances, into your personal situation? Things come, and you didn't see it coming. Bam, and you're in the middle of this storm. You're wondering, you know, where's God in the middle of this? They had Jesus with them, and they didn't recognize yet fully who he was. And so he reveals his power to them, his sovereignty over even the waves and the wind. And so today we're going to talk about... From chaos to comfort. God wants us to move from the chaos of life to knowing his comfort. And really what does that more than anything is when we understand that God is sovereign in, in who he is. What does it mean? Let's give a definition. What does it mean that God is sovereign? Well, he is ultimately in control of all things. And he's working everything towards his ultimate plan and purpose. Now, it's hard sometimes to believe that God's in control when life seems so out of control, when these storms come without warning. But as we know, God's sovereign over history. He's sovereign over nature. He set the, the weather patterns in motion. 
And he's sovereign over our lives. He chose that you would be born. Like, you didn't have a whole lot of say in that. You realize that, right? <laughs> he, he chose that you would be created. He chose who would be your parents. He chose how you would come into this world. He chose where you would live and when you would live and what part of history. And Scripture says over and over that God is sovereign working in history towards an ultimate plan and an ultimate purpose that he has. He says this in Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. It says, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Now, we struggle with this tension between free will and human responsibility and God's complete sovereignty and control. We struggle. There's this tug of war, and we see it throughout Scripture, that we have responsibility as human beings, and we make choices, and that God also is behind the scenes working all things for his purposes. And that he's actually planned things out and how he knows how the outcome's going to be. And more than just knowing about it, he's working towards that sovereign end. And, it's, and we, we tend to, and as you read about this and, and you study God's sovereignty and you see it in Scripture, Paul, Jesus, the writers of Scripture, they didn't have that same struggle that, that we do. It has a little bit to do with the fact that we're Westerners. And in our mind, it's either or. It can't be both. But when you read scripture, it's, both are true. Human beings are responsible for, for their decisions. But God is also sovereign and ultimately in control. And that tension, that tug of war creates some problems. Because we, when we say either or, we tend to want to focus on one or the other. We, we think to ourselves, well, both can't be true. That's not what the Bible teaches. I know this is kind of the deeper end of the pool to some, to some degree, but it's this, if you can understand what the Bible teaches about God's sovereignty, it's a, it's a game changer. It's a life changer for every person in here. You'll be humbled and, and, and understand more about who God really is. But that creates problems. When we say it's either or, what kind of ends up happening is, is if it's all about us and our decisions and our free will then that can paralyze us with fear because my decisions determine everything. But on the other hand, we can become passive. If it's just God is sovereign and in control, then some people get this kind of fatalistic point of view and they think, well, why pray? Why share the gospel? Why do this and that? Whatever God has said is going to be. Well, that's both of those Angles are not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that both are true at the same time. And you may think to yourself this morning, you may think, how can both be true? How can both be true? I don't understand. Guess what? I got good news for you. The reason you don't understand is because you're not God. You're, we're not qualified for that job. To, that job. And I don't, I, I'm not going to stand up here and say that I'm qualified. Definitely not. So God is sovereign. Let me go into a few Working, working through God's sovereignty. First of all, and this is where we're going, God's sovereignty is humbling. You can write that down. If you remember the story of Job, Job was a man 
who had a, a family, he had wealth, he was healthy, he had a good life. And in the blink of an eye, it was all taken from Job. He lost his health, he lost his family, he lost all of his wealth. He lost everything. The, without warning, bam, the storms of life came and took everything from Job. And so the story of Job in a nutshell, his friends come and they begin to try to counsel him. And they start saying, Job, there must be sin in your life. There must be this, there must be that. And, and it sounds really eloquent what they're saying. And it goes on from chapter 3 all the way to chapter 38 of Job's friends. And then Job begins to question God. And God hasn't said anything up until chapter 38. And in, uh, in, chapter, in chapter 38, God begins to over 70 times question Job and he said, about his sovereignty. And he says, where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when I drew out the lines you know, of the stars and I, I did this and I did all these things that only God can do? For, for 70 questions he asks. And it humbled Job. And Job replied with this in verse, chapter 42, verse 2. He says, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is, is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Listen to Job's humility. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. It's easy to question God. When the storms come, it's easy to think that, you know, where is God and, and begin to, to, to question and wonder because we don't have the capacity to know the beginning to the end like what God knows. And it's important that we understand it, it is very humbling, God's sovereignty is. It's also exalting, it exalts God. God is huge, He's powerful, He, he can handle anything in His power and His knowledge. That's what makes him sovereign. He's all-powerful to work whatever he wants to work. And he's all-knowing to know how it is going to work and how everything works for his ultimate purpose. David wrote in 2 Chronicles, he said, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as one who is over all things, that he's sovereign. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. David understood God's sovereignty and busted out into a song. He busted out into worship and exalted who God was. God's sovereignty is also mysterious. You can write that down. God's sovereignty is mysterious. Sovereignty brings us, because God's all-powerful and all-knowing, it kind of brings us face-to-face -face with the problem of evil and suffering. It really does. If God's all-powerful, all-knowing, then why is there evil and suffering in the world? Isn't he good? Isn't he? Yes, he is. And how God responds to our Limited knowledge and understanding, he says this in Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, human responsibility, God's sovereignty. 
I, I, I would tell you this, that, that to understand that both are true at the same time is more apprehended than it is comprehended. God, understanding God and understanding his sovereignty is not like a math problem or a formula. Two plus two is four. And we want it to compute like that. But God is not a, a math problem or a formula to be solved. God is so much infinite, infinitely bigger and wiser than us that he can work all things for his purpose and plan, even things such as evil and suffering. So it's important for us to understand that. So when you, when you see something in Scripture, you may not understand everything. I don't understand the Trinity, but I see it in Scripture. I see that there's one God in three persons. And, you know, cults and other places, peoples and, and, and things try to say, well, that's, how can that be? I don't know. It's what Scripture says that God's revealed in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But there's one God. There's not three gods. Now, we apprehend that from Scripture. We don't comprehend it. The same thing goes some of these deep things about understanding the sovereignty of God. Another thing about God's sovereignty is it's clarifying. In other words, there's no such thing as chance. There's really no such thing as, as luck or, or accidents. You can't have both chance and God. It's one or the other. Now, I have to admit, the other night, I had the pleasure of going to the Avalanche game with Steve Craig and George Ryer, and I put on my Cody McLeod jersey because the last three times that I wore that to the game, they won. So obviously, by me wearing that jersey, they were going to win, right? You, tell me you don't do that. You have some sort of thing. Now, I laughed when I told them when we were leaving that, hey, every time, every time I wear this, they win. So all of a sudden, they got beat three to nothing by the dreaded Red Wings that night. So maybe I was wrong. But honestly, there's no such thing as luck. There is, there is no such thing as chance. I, I saw kind of a funny story about a, a cowboy who applied for health insurance. And the insurance agent routinely asked this cowboy, he said, have you had any accidents during the previous year? And the cowboy said, no, but I was bitten by a rattlesnake and a horse kicked me in the ribs. That laid me up for a while. And the insurance agent said, weren't those accidents? No, replied the cowboy. They did it on purpose. <laughs> they done did it on purpose. Here's what it says in Proverbs 16.33. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. The Lord determines how they fall now our choices this is hard to understand our choices affect life they affect things they affect people obviously but you you got to know when you understand and read from scripture that God it, it, our choices aren't going to ultimately determine the future God is going to ultimately determine the future God uses them to our choices to determine his plan Again, it's not a math problem. It's what's revealed in Scripture. And understanding God's sovereignty and Him working in, in, in our lives, in, the, in history, etc., is the foundation stone to understand who God ultimately really is. God's sovereignty is also empowering. It's very empowering. If I believe that God is truly and ultimately in control, then no mere human can intimidate me. David said this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do you know when you read your Bible... And if, if the translators of that particular version capitalize the word Lord, it's talking about the sovereign Lord, that God is sovereign, the big, awesome I am that you read about in the, in, in the Old Testament. The, the, the Hebrew word for, for who God is, is he is the sovereign one. He's the Lord. The unsp- you know, the Jews even said it was unspeakable. It was so perfect and holy, the name of God. Remember David before Goliath, this young shepherd boy? Goliath's this giant, and he's intimidating the Israel, and David gets sick of it. He knows who God is. He knows that God's sovereign and that God's all-powerful. So he steps out, and he challenges Goliath, and he brings him down. He was empowered by the sovereign hand of God. And then lastly, God's sovereignty is comforting. There are two things in life that bring me great comfort. The first one is the fact that God's sovereign. Second one is the fact that in less than two weeks it'll be spring training. And all will be right in the universe again. I set you up for that one with bated breath. It is true though. There's something about this weather that just, ah, summertime. But anyway, God's sovereignty is comforting. David said this, he said, for you've been my hope Sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. The Apostle Paul writes this, he says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. There's his sovereignty. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. Years ago... Uh, there was a local pastor named Rick Ferguson. He was the pastor of Riverside Baptist Church down by Invesco. And uh, I knew his sons pretty well. And, and Rick was, was killed in a car wreck. They were, he and his family were towing a boat and they were going on vacation out towards Missouri. And somewhere along the way, the, a tire blew. And the tire caused the vehicle, the boat to, to swerve and the vehicle to turn over and and if, if he was the only one killed. And if you ever listened to Rick Ferguson preach, he preached the sovereignty of God. He knew the character of God. He was a great man. He was a great man, a great father, a great husband. He had serious impact in our, in our local community. I remember being at, at his funeral service. And his son Brett got up at the funeral service and he gave the message at his father's funeral. And he said something that blew me away. And he said something that I still think about every time a difficulty comes into life or some the chaos of life comes or without warning a storm comes. He said this. I remember him standing. The place was packed wall to wall. You couldn't find a seat in there. And he said, if God's not sovereign over a blown tire, then why would I commit my life to him? And that just... Rang my chimes. If God's not sovereign over a blown tire, then how can he, how is he in control of, of, of everything else? He understood that God and his, that didn't, it wasn't random chance of a blown tire. Not that God caused the tire to blow. But God knows the beginning from the end. He knows the day each one of us are going to pass from life into eternity. He knows that. 
I mean, we can do things to, to have a better quality of life and this and that, but ultimately the days of our life are numbered by God. It's why we should live well and not put off to tomorrow what we know to do today. We're not guaranteed anything. But in the comfort of God's sovereignty that he's got a plan, even in the difficulties of life, that comforts me. Ultimately, where I feel like God wants to take the rest of this message this morning is to take this amazing yet hard to understand truth and see how it is practically lived out in our life, how it comforts us in the middle of chaos. That it's not just a philosophical, theological argument to be debated in seminary or schools or Bible studies, but that it's an actual truth that we can hold on today and get the comfort that we need in the, in the realities of life. So let me, let me go over this. When life seems a little out of control or a lot of out of control, and I know for a lot in this room, part of your life feels out of control. There's been, without warning, storms came into your life and you didn't see it coming. This is for you. First of all, I need to remember to include God in my plans. When life feels out of control, I need to remember to include God into my plans. Let's be honest. Sometimes life is out of control or it's chaotic because we forgot to check in with God. We didn't check in with the sovereign one and we went out and created our own problems. We went out and created our own mistakes. We didn't seek him. I know I've created problems in my life. I'm guilty of this. And you get out ahead of God. And the truth is that, you know, our plans are tentative and limited at best anyway. It says in the Proverbs, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So we have plans, and God wants us to step out in those plans to seek him. But part of that relationship with him is, is we, we search the scriptures, we see what God's revealed will is, we do those things, and then when it comes to the, the, the bigger issues of life, of who do I marry, what job do I take, where do I live, we seek him, we include him, and trust that his sovereign hand is divinely moving us down the path that he wants us to be on. Then Proverbs 16.9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our step. He determines our steps. We need to avoid being presumptuous. Have you ever noticed that within the word life, there's a big huge if? There's a word within the word. So we say life. What do I want to do with my life? What does God want to do with my life? Well, there's a big, huge if in there that we say, God, what do you want to do with my life? James gives a little correction to his readers when he says this. He says, look, here are you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So don't be presumptuous. Include God in your plans. And maybe today there's a problem in your life where you say, you know what, I got out ahead of God. I, I disobeyed or I went in a direction that I shouldn't have gone in. You, it's never too late to stop and say, God, you know what? I need to know your will. I want to walk in your will. I want to go in your direction. 
And God in his sovereignty can take your mistakes. He can take your getting out ahead of God and work it somehow for, for your good. So get on, get on the, the same path with him. Secondly, is if I'm going to know God's comfort in the middle of the chaos of life, I need to remember God's perspective in my problems. Nothing catches God off guard. God doesn't cause evil and suffering, but he does allow it. And part of that is just the fact that we're not in heaven yet. We're not in the place where there is no suffering or sorrow. We're passing through. But another part of that is, is he's sovereign. He's working even in the middle of our problems. I said this a few weeks ago, and I feel like it's worth repeating. And this is such an important thing for you to understand in life is this. Life creates problems. How many have figured that out? <laughs> life creates problems. Problems create pain. Problem, pain. Problem, pain. What determines the amount of pain that I go through because of this problem is my perspective of, the prob- of that problem. If whatever I go through, if it's a financial loss... And I have put so much hope in my money, so much hope in my stuff, and it's taken away. Then I'm devastated when it's taken away. I've had the wrong perspective. That My hope's not in my money. My hope's not in my possessions. So your perspective of your, pro- of your problem determines the amount of pain that you experience in life. That's why it's so important to get God's perspective of life. To get an understanding of his sovereignty. To understand that he loves you infinitely. That he's working your life. He, he knew you before you were born. And he knows the day you're going to die. And he knows what's going to happen all the days of your life. The choices you're going to make. He's working in and through your life. Grab a hold of that today. And if you're going through a problem, you're going through an issue, here's the deal. Your faith isn't true faith until it's been tested. You don't know whether you're really a believer until life tests you. Until you've been tested by life. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, for our light... In momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow. Your problems are part of the seen world. Your relationship problems, your money problems, your health problems. Whatever you're going through. And that's not to say your problems are, 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 I'm not belittling those. Those are real and they hurt. And I'm never one to try to give a Christian band-aid pat answer for somebody. But sometimes we do just got to go back to what scripture really says and say, it really is true. And it's either true or it's not. And it applies to every situation of my life. What you're going through is seeing what is reality, what is the ultimate eternal reality is what we don't see. And that's God working in your life. And that's eternity with him and and this unseen God who is invisible but working greatly in all of our lives. Working in your problems. And we need assurance. Assurance brings joy in our life. We need an assurance that no matter what life brings, God is working All things for our good and for his glory. Look at this promise in Romans 8, 28. 
Sometimes I feel like, man, it's easy to over-preach a verse of Scripture. I don't think it's true of this one, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, hear me on that. Uh, they're all Scripture's great and, and, and useful for, for that. But, man, there is such a, maybe that's the most important promise in Scripture outside of John 3.16. Is that this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's not a promise about your having perfect circumstances, a promise and assurance that God is working even the worst of circumstances somehow for your good and for his glory if you love him. If you love him and have been called according to his purpose, that promise is for you today. We've got to connect his attributes of all-powerfulness and all-knowing, and that creates who he is and his sovereignty. And the context of this verse in Romans chapter 8, 28, is Romans 8 might be one of the most amazing passages of Scripture in the Bible. And the context is all about that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. Persevering through struggles. Persevering through difficulties. And, and, and having that hope that, that God loves me no matter how much bad stuff is happening inside of me. Or what's happening in the circumstances outside of me. Have you ever... Have you ever yes, you have. So I already know the answer. When you blow it. <laughs> when you blow it. And you fail and you think to yourself, how can I do this? How can I think this? How did I say that? What's wrong with me? Anybody ever been there? And the first thought that we're tempted in that moment is to think, God, you can't love me. There's too much shame. There's too much here. God, you can't love me. We make that mistake. The other thing we do is when Difficult circumstances are going on in our life. We lose a job. We lose a loved one. Our health changes. Something changes in our life to throw us off our, our good life, quote unquote. We, must th we think to ourselves and, and we pray and he doesn't change our circumstances. And we tend to think, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God's maybe he's mad at me or whatever. So he can't love me or he doesn't love me. Listen, I got two responses for that. First of all. Romans, if you're one of, if today you're saying, God, you don't know Scott. You don't know Scott what I've been through. You don't know what I've done, what I've said, where I've been. He, he can't love me. Listen, Scripture says there is no condemnation, no pronouncement of judgment and guilt for those that are in Christ Jesus. Does that, God disciplines his children, and that's a good thing. That's a sign that he loves us. He doesn't condemn his children. Jesus was condemned in your place. For every sin you ever committed in the past and ever will in your life, he died in your place for that. There's no condemnation. And then he says for us to understand the, the circumstantial part, can God love me? Does he love me if I'm going through all this difficulty? Look what it says in Romans 8.35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Those are some difficult circumstances. He says nothing can do that. He says nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. 
I want to challenge somebody's thinking this morning who's thinking, well, I can separate myself from God's love. Let me ask you a question. Are you part of creation? So you can't separate yourself from this amazing love of of God that's in Christ. Nothing in creation can do that. When Jesus suffered, when all the powers of hell were thrown at Jesus, he suffered in the garden, he suffered on the cross, he he died, and he was humiliated. Our worst nightmares happened to Jesus. Listen, catch this. If Jesus, who could have called it all off, he could have said, enough, I'm God, uh-uh, I'm going to do something different. He could have done that. But he didn't. If Jesus didn't abandon you and I in that moment when he could have, why would he abandon you today? in your problems that you're going through of of losing a job or a relational difficulty or whatever else it is. And I'm not saying those are small, but I'm just saying get a perspective of your problems. He didn't abandon you then. He's not going to abandon you today. How many think that's good news? That's something to build your life on. So what I want you to do is I want you to write in that blank on your notes there. What is it that you're going through? What is What circumstance... Are you going through that yet you're maybe thinking to yourself, you know, it's this betrayal or this job loss or loneliness or lack of whatever it is you're going through. What circumstance would you write in there? I want you to see with your own eyes that whatever it is you write in there cannot separate you from the sovereign love of God. Whatever it is, write it down. Feel that. That thing that's keeping you up at night and, and, and making you worry and making you cry and making you so frustrated and and hurting it can't separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus that's awesome can I believe that God has a better plan than just changing my circumstances can I believe that he'll work even the worst things for his glory and for my good I want to tell you real quick about a place called Dothan Last summer, we drove through Dothan, Alabama. Anybody who been there? Different Dothan I'm about to talk about. <laughs> uh, Dothan in the Bible is mentioned twice in the Old Testament. Two things happened in Dothan that uh, are pretty important to us understanding this today. In Dothan, Joseph, who was one of the sons of Jacob. Do- uh, in Dothan, Jacob was betrayed by his brothers. They didn't like him. And so they threw Joseph into a well and then sold him into slavery into the, to the Egyptians. And you talk about a storm without warning showing up in your life. He was completely betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. And you know he prayed, God, this isn't fair. God, this isn't just. God, would you change my circumstances? God, do you see what's happening to me? You know he prayed that. And... Then the second time you read about Dothan is in 2 Kings chapter 6. And the prophet Elisha, the enemies of Israel, are surrounding Dothan. And, and, the, and, and Elisha prays. And in a snap of his fingers, Elisha prays and bam! The armies of heaven and chariots of fire come and wipe out all, the, the, all of Israel's enemies and everybody's saved. Here's the question. Two different circumstances, same place, two different circumstances. 
Was God just as active in the unanswered prayers of Joseph as he was in the swift answer to prayer to Elisha? How you respond to that will tell you how comforting the sovereignty of God is really in your circumstances today. If you can say yes, then you're, you're, you're moving closer towards having a, that deeper walk with God to understand that no matter what happens in life, God loves me and he's going to work things for my good and for his glory. And I would say, yes, he was just as at work in the unanswered prayers of Joseph as he was in the swift answers, answer that he gave to Elisha. Now, we love the swift answers, don't we? God, zap this away. God, I don't feel good. Make me feel better. God, this, my finances are bad. Make it feel better. Boom, 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 boom. We want God to do that. And it's cool when he does that. It's just not the norm. If you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you realize that's not the norm. uh, Joseph, in Genesis 50, realized after all these years of disappointment and trial after trial after trial, he says this to his brothers when they're reunited. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. What they meant for evil, God knew. And in his unanswered prayers, God was working it for good. Has someone hurt you? Has someone betrayed you? And you're thinking, God, how are you going to work this for good? God, did you not see what they did to me? Would you, in your situation, whatever it is, agree with Paul that God works all things for good, for his glory, and agree with Joseph that somehow you're going to trust God to work it for good? Your part is to forgive. Your part is to apply the scriptures that you know to that situation and trust him to work in and through your situation. Last point is this. If I'm going to receive the comfort of God's sovereignty in my life, I need to remember why he wants me to pray. And these kind of all overlap a little bit. But the Apostle John says in 1 John, he says, We are certain that God will hear our prayers when we ask for what pleases him. And if we know that God listens when we pray, we are sure that our prayers have already been answered. Meditate on that this week. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. It changes me. The truth is that we often pray for God to change our circumstances. If we were to be honest, the heartbeat of our prayers are, God, change my circumstances. God, would you, would you, would you, would you change this, change that? But here's what you got to remember. And listen. I say this in love and humility. God's not a genie. He's not an ATM that we just, boom, we throw it up, change our circumstances. He's told us that in this life we're going to go through trials and struggles and many sorrows. But take courage, I've overcome. So don't be so caught off guard when the storms of life come. We should expect them. Enjoy the good. But Jesus said that we're going to go through difficulties this side of heaven. We can use prayer as a form of manipulation to get God to do what we want to do or to get, you know, God change my husband, God change my spouse, God change them, do the, because they're inconvenience in our life. I heard, a, I read a quote this past week. Somebody said this. They said, prayer is not the place to assert our will. Prayer is the place to surrender your will to God. We try to make prayer, I, I'm going to change everything. No, we're going to the sovereign one. 
who changes everything. I find it very encouraging that the things that are beyond my control are not beyond his control. I hope you do too today. I want to ask you this question. What feels out of control in your life? It's not beyond his control. Whatever you wrote in the paper that can't separate you from the love of God, it's not beyond his control. He's working in and through the difficult things. Maybe you, some of your, what you're going through is self-inflicted. Listen, Christ's love for you hasn't changed. We think it does. His love for you hasn't changed. You're going through a difficult circumstance today. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He's working all things together for your good. If you want to know God better, I, want to, I have to ask you a tough question this morning. I really do. If you want to know God better, we're talking about knowing God. I ask myself the same question. Are you letting God be God in every area of your life? Are you trying to be God? We, we're tempted to be God. We're tempted to play God. We're, we're tempted to try to call the shots in our life. Maybe we, he gets part of my life, but then I want to control this part of my life. Listen, if you want to know God, give him every area of your life. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. But it is a place of freedom. When you surrender your will and you surrender every area of your life to him, that's when you'll know him better. and You, you will grow in knowing him. So is he calling the shots in your life? Will you trust God and believe him no matter the circumstances, even when you don't understand? Listen, I know you're going through things that you don't understand. Trust him. Will you include him in your plans? And I think ultimately, will you be like Joseph, who went through difficult circumstances and had a lot of unanswered prayer, and trust that he's working your problems for good? I challenge you this, too. Will you take advantage of the privilege of prayer to be a relationship with God, to, to get the heart of God to say, God, as I pray, change me. It's not just about me and my circumstances, but change me from the inside out. Let's do that together this morning. Would you stand?